So friends, we find ourselves today at the final day of this series on our seven days of creation. And so we do find ourselves on that final day of Sabbath rest. And so in order to invoke this feeling of Sabbath, this Sunday is going to be done a little bit differently. You probably noticed that if you took a look at your bulletin, that it's set up a little bit differently. So I'm thankful to the worship team for taking this idea and running with it to help invite us into this place of Sabbath rest today. So instead of having one long sermon... We're going to have short pieces of the sermon with in-between songs to help us explore this idea of Sabbath rest in song. So you're going to have different little homilies with a responsive song of rest in between. And so you'll notice in the bulletin it invites us to stand for each of the songs, but I'm going to go ahead and call an audible here and have us be seated. I feel like that's a lot of up and down. No, okay, yeah. And I feel like that's very antithetical to Sabbath rest to have us up and down. So we're just going to stay seated through this entire time. But Sabbath is something that we need, right? I think it's something that is very needed in our culture. Because regardless of our station in life, whether we're before we're, you know, still in school, it's before we're working, whether we're currently working or whether we're retired, I found talking to people, regardless of our station in life, we still feel that tug to be more, to do more, to achieve more, to hustle more. We know that lie that gets fed to us in our culture that somehow our worth is tied up in our productivity. How much we're able to do how much we're able to earn, how much we're able to check off our to-do lists of life. And honestly, it's defeating. It's exhausting. Because if we really live into this life, it turns into this never-ending hamster wheel that never gets us any real self-worth or satisfaction or peace. So in order to understand what Sabbath means to us, let's look at what this creation narrative meant to the original readers, why it was written in the first place. So as we've said multiple times through the sermon series, it was written by religious leaders to encourage a Jewish community experiencing exile. It was meant to encourage them to stay true to their faith while they were in a foreign land. Remind them how to stay set apart, how to live into life as God intended for them, even in those difficult times of exile. And so for them, Sabbath was a huge part of that. Sabbath wasn't just this extra thing. In fact, if we think about the creation narrative, it was the first thing. Sabbath was the first thing that happened on the first full day of humanity's life. On day six, humans were created. And on day seven, what does God do? God celebrates this first day by ushering in this practice of rest. On Genesis 2, we read verses 1 through 4 out of the CEB. The heavens and the earth and all who live in them were completed. 
On the sixth day, God completed all the work he had done, and on the seventh day, God had rested from all the work he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all the work of creation. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. So did you know that in the Jewish faith and in the Jewish culture, the day and the practice of Sabbath actually intends to begin the week. Rest is not just this reward that you get to at the end of the week, if you work hard enough, if you achieve enough, if you do enough to make sure that the world keeps spinning if you step away. Rest starts the week. You enter into the week. You enter into your work from a place of rest. You don't have to earn Rest. You don't have to get to a certain place of worth to earn rest. You just get to rest. But for us, here's the part that we have to do. We have to trust. We have to learn to trust that the world can keep spinning without us. We have to learn to trust that God did make us worthy enough that our worth isn't caught up in productivity and to-do lists. We have to trust that God created the world and that God can, in fact, maintain the world without us. We have to trust that regardless of our life situation, our work schedules, whatever Sabbath days or even moments can look like to us in this season, that we can trust enough to step away. So trusting and resting in God is one thing when life is easy, but it's a whole another thing when life is hard. So sometimes our economic situations or our life situations make truly turning everything off or even consistently making Sunday that day of Sabbath impossible. But for the Israelites, we have to remember they were given this command of Sabbath that we see in Genesis. They weren't given it when life was easy. But they were given it when life was very difficult. In this time of exile, they had lost their livelihoods. They had lost their homeland, their belongings, their identity, and they were exiled to a brand new land they had never seen before. And yet, despite all of that, they were reminded of their call and their innate worthiness to rest. They were reminded to find trust in a God that would care for them, even in these imperfect and trying times. And so when I think about these themes of trust and rest, even in the tough seasons of life, I think of the 23rd Psalm. It's got all these beautiful images, and if you know this psalm, it's all very familiar to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He lets me rest in grassy meadows. He leads me to restful waters. He keeps me alive. He guides me in proper paths for the sake of his good names. These are such comforting images. They give us these feelings of peace. And of course, they all echo the beauty of creation. 
But what I love next is this psalm goes even further to remind us to trust even when it's hard. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. This psalm declares that life will be hard, that we will walk through the darkest valley. Many translations even call it the valley of the shadow of death, which, of course, is particularly powerful when we are facing grief. In fact, I have used this very psalm over and over again in the bedside, in the hospital, or when someone is in hospice care. And we here proclaim the 23rd Psalm as an affirmation of faith in nearly every funeral service that we hold. A reminder that even when life is tough, even when we find ourselves in deep grief, we can trust God. Even when it seems impossible, we can find those still waters and those places of trust with God's help. Even when it seems dark and bleak, we still find ourselves worthy of rest and worthy of restoration because ultimately we belong to God. So for our final meditation, with this being a creation care series, of course, we had to find a way to rope Sabbath back into creation care. And so this is a simple thing to do because did you know that the land itself teaches us how to rest? So later on in the Old Testament, after the book of Genesis, we get into a whole bunch of Jewish laws that are later outlined in later books. And so we see in the scripture that the land itself gets its own commandment to have its own Sabbath. It really does. See, in Leviticus chapter 25, verses 3 through 5, you will plant your fields for six years and prune your vineyards and gather their crops for six years. But in the seventh year, the land will have a special Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. You must not plant your fields or prune your vineyards. You must not harvest the secondary growth or produce or gather the grapes of your freely growing vines. It will be a special rest for the land. Now, don't worry, nothing went to waste at this time. It says very specifically in later verses, anything that happened to produce naturally on its own, like fruit of the vine or fruit growing trees, That was all intentionally meant for the poor among them to go and glean. But the land was specifically not to be worked on that seventh year. No tilling, no plowing, no planting, just resting. And so the interesting thing is, is this whole principle actually still exists in a modern day form. So how do I know? Well, not to brag, but my dad was actually named the Master Conservationist of Christian County, Kentucky, about 12 or so years ago, and I myself have my degree before I went to seminary is in agriculture. 
so I do know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But my dad's award he actually got for finding unique ways to maximize the resting of the soil. So combining techniques like rotating crops, because some crops are more draining on the soil and some crops nourish the soil more than others. A technique called no-till, where you don't work up or till the soil at all. Strip-till, where you only work up or strip certain parts of the field and more. So combining all of these techniques, well, they help keep the soil healthier. They help keep it well rested. It helps his crops. It helps our environment. It's all a win-win situation. So you may remember hearing about the Dust Bowl in school. This isn't a picture of it, but it's a picture of a field that looks a little bit barren, you would say. So in that time, in that situation, they did not take care of the land. They weren't looking for ways to let it rest. They did not have these technologies of crop rotations, of reducing the amount of times and ways that you plowed the field. They weren't implemented. So, of course, after all of that being overworked and overused and overburdened, the land simply couldn't produce anymore. And so, of course, the same will happen to us if we don't take care of ourselves, if we don't rest we will find ourselves burnt out and unable to produce. And the same will happen to our land and all aspects of our creation if we don't take care of it today. We will find it unable to produce. But of course, we know the path forward. We know the rest that God is calling us into. We can live into this call To trust God. We can trust in our worthiness as a people created and loved by God outside of any productivity, status, to-do list, or achievement. And we also know the ways that we can care for our creation, how we can reduce, reuse, recycle, how we can advocate for change on a larger scale. And so with this vision, friends, we can live into a positive future, a future where both we and the earth are content and satisfied and happy. The choice is ours, and it is a choice we can make together. So friends, as we prepare to go from this place, may you hear the benediction. So may we know that Sabbath, rest, is something that we are worthy of. We don't have to maintain a level of productivity. We don't have to check off a to-do list. We are worthy of rest because we belong to God. So may we go forth in that rest. May we go forth to care for God's creation. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.